Hello, 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 listener. Welcome to Area de Rigori ADR. We are back for BreakingTheLines.com. That is everything culture, everything Syria. You know the drill by now. Episode 19. We made it to episode 19. I'm joined by the wonderful and lovely Maxi Angelo. He's had, he's just come back from a fresh two days off. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling very good. I was uh, just at my at my nonna's place and uh, I got fed until I puked, basically. I love when I love a home cooked meal. Yeah, like like eating out is nice, but a home cooked meal by like your your mother or your grand, where where they just bring six plates of like the best stuff and ah, oh. it hits different. It hits different, indeed, indeed. Because uh, like two days ago, it was Eid for me. What am I talking about? Two days ago, a week a week ago it was Eid for me. So it's just it's just, it's just like stop at someone's house, eat. Stop at someone's house, eat. But ah, you can't beat it, can you? Forget all this nonsense of like sitting in restaurants and whatever. A home cooked meal is where it's at. Yes. You see the you see the chef kiss. Oh, <laughs> I hope the listeners can hear that. But anyway, what a week in Syria. We had one of them weeks in Syria, if you know what I'm talking about. One of them weeks. What a week. Where everything happens and just it's chaos and it's this is when Syria is the most fun and exciting league. We're just everything that can happen that is just so wild and bizarre. The penchant for the magical bizarre of like, oh, and then that happens and oh, Ribery is is having a fight and oh, uh, Venezia have beaten Bologna for four three. It it was peak Serie. A. It was fantastic. It's, it's hitting peak of the season now. Why don't we start with? I'm sure you you'll love where we're going to start. But the the last game on Sunday was Milan against Hellas Verona and ADR's very own. Or well, he's not really ADR's very own, but we love him so much. Gianluca Caprari played against Milan. Yes, we call it the Caprari derby, or aka the Maxi Angelo derby. Yes, that's a really good nickname for it. AC Milan uh, going away to Hellas Verona, so Hellas Verona won. AC Milan three. Every passing always a tricky fixture. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a very very tricky fixture. They played all three of the the wise men. If if you is what I like to call them, Musa Barak. I don't know why I keep calling him Musa Barak. I should stop that. It's Antonin Barak. Antonin Barak, Gianluca Caprari, and Simone uh, Cholito's son. Good win for good win for Milan. Another tricky fixture negotiated from Pioli's men. Week by week, fans are starting to believe like this is getting real now. Yeah, but at the same time, um, me like I think many Italians, we don't want to jinx it. Uh, we believe a lot in jinxes, jinxing, but yeah. Uh, I will say that it it is starting to feel real. Um, still two tricky fixtures left. Uh, Atalanta could always have a top top game, and uh, Sassuolo is, as we've said before in this podcast, a boogie team for Milan. Uh, so Milan basically right now have to take four points from the coming two games and uh, they will have secured a uh, scudetto um, because even if they end up on the same point as I think that they have uh, the advantage in head to head which is the deciding factor instead of goal difference or, or something like that yeah uh, but but having 
having said that, needing four points from the next two games, does it not feel surreal for you as a big Milanisti fan? Yeah, it feels very surreal, especially after... I mean, I grew up watching the... What do we call it? The, the great days in the early 2000s. And uh, then we've had like 10 years of a pure banter era. Um, and to, to be in this position right now feels very surreal after 10 years of a banter era where we basically didn't play European football. We didn't really have much great players. We had one or two maybe in the team. And uh, now we have a lot of them. Bonaventura. Yeah, Bonaventura. You, do you not think... I would love for someone to send Bonaventura a tribute medal if if uh, if Milan win it this year. He seemed like a player who always just played his heart out, had so much passion in those banter era years and give, gave fans joy. I remember the, the picture of his last game and he was just crying. Yeah. Um, on the San, in the San Siro. He was one of those players, you know, when um, Donnarumma, like question if he was going to renew or, or anything when when the ownership was a bit unclear what was going to happen uh, Bonaventura just signed anyways just because he wanted to be in the in the club uh, regardless of the owners or anything like that so he was yeah he was a pure soldier for the club and uh, I think a massive fan favorite um, in the red parts of, of Milano yeah let's let's quickly talk the um the tactics of this game. I thought Pioli got it spot on. Uh, a tactical masterclass, if you will, from, from Pioli. Uh, maybe I've said this before, but we need a different word for tactical masterclass. Like, everybody loves that. So, and I love it too, but, like, we should... What do you think? I mean... I, I don't think you've said it on this podcast before, but I, I agree with you. I feel like I have. But uh, anyway, look, tactical masterclass from Pioli. Um, Sandro Tonali played in an advanced role in this game and it really paid off yeah he scored two goals and um, had another goal in net but he was ruled out for offside uh, in that situation basically we talked a bit about it before we started recording that out of possession he was in in his usual role but when Milan had possession he was more of an advanced midfielder almost on the line of a striker yeah making sort of I like to call them the late Frank Lampard runs into the box, but also just being a bit of a nuisance. Yes. Um, occupying the last line. Whilst rather Krunic push, pushed up as well, who, who I thought had a very good game. I think Milan finally figured out that whatever happens, come hell or high water, Rafaleo is going to get past his man or get past two or get past three. So if we can just flood the box, they're going to have a problem. And that's exactly what happened with pretty much all of the goals. Um, Salamekas yeah. was was actually had one of his better games, I thought. Because Sandro Tonali was making these excursions into the box, he was supporting Giroud, who wasn't alone. Salamekas could do either one or two things. Uh, hang wide, right? Make the pitch high and wide. Or come in and drift uh, into the right half spaces and let sort of Calabria go and drift out wide. So in either in either situation, you have players occupying spaces also dragging Hellas Verona defenders out of position. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Salamakers had one of his better games in in a Milan shirt, I think. And uh, apart from from what you said, I thought I thought he was very good in the in the pressing game. And um, even though he didn't create a lot of clear cut chances, he he was always progr- progressing the ball forwards and uh, 
helping the team a lot. So yeah, I think he was uh, was very good this game. And whilst we're talking about it, um, as you said, Radek Krunic, uh, I watched uh, a clip on YouTube. I I can link it uh, later uh, where where they highlighted uh, Radek Krunic's. Uh, performance this game and uh, I didn't notice it during the game but when I watched it back he he takes a, a lot of smart runs which open opens up spaces for for the others yes and uh, yeah I maybe that's not something you see yeah right or perhaps you do but I I'm a I'm a supporter of the club so I I don't notice it the same way when I watch the first time yeah uh, but when I look it ba- look back at it, it, it was a terrific performance from him, uh, especially out of possession. Yeah, it it feels like in that little period where Milan were just sort of scraping on nils uh, and then had little draws, purely went back to the dark drawing board and thought, right, I know how to attack teams. Everybody just push up, which is obviously that's a simplistic form of of what occurs. But if you watch Man City, when they attack. They attack with five players, right? They attack with two number sixes pushed up, De Bruyne and Bernardo. And then one of the fullbacks, either Cancelo or Walker, joins in along with the front three of either Foden, Mares, and Jesus or Foden, Sterling uh, and Grealish. And, and you can take your pick and he, he rotates. But the point is, if you have five players pushed up, occupying the final line of defence, who are also positionally going to rotate, they're going to drag defenders out of place, which is kind of what I felt Milan were doing, especially in the centre when they knew uh, balls were going to come in from the left from Leao. So um, it, it was nice to see Milan look offensive and particularly from the side of sort of Sandro Tonali. Yeah, and I, I just want to clarify that when I said uh, Krunic was especially good out of possession, I meant when he didn't have the ball uh, himself. So for 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 example... For Milan's uh, equaliser uh, at the at the end of the first half, you can see that when when Liao comes into the box from the left wing, uh, Krunic basically runs to meet him, which drags a uh, defender with him, yes. uh, which opens up a space for for Sandro Tonali to then uh, utilize and equalize. So it's basically. That's basically what I was talking about, that he did a lot of smart runs off, off the ball. For definite. But also, if you have like all of Rather Krunic, uh, Kessie, Tonali, all of them pushing up and going into the box, then you do not need to do the tactic where Milan you, used to just be, okay, we don't know what to do. Go along to Giroud and hopefully get runners in behind and something will happen. What you can do is then utilize spaces on the left and right or play him into the center and then play off three players who or three midfielders who are in there. Um, I just thought that we need to give this some emphasis because in terms of tactics and changing it up offensively, this was fantastic to watch and fantastic to see because he's clearly recognised purely that there was something going wrong with the offence. And so I'm going to change it. But also for the second week in a row, um, Milan, when uh, chasing a game, come back and win. Uh, so, So maybe... Maybe there's more fight in Milan when, when they're behind. I don't know. Maybe you can attest to this. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it feels like a strong togetherness feeling in, in the squad and that that they believe that they, they can do it, that, that everything is possible for them. Um, so I, I, I definitely think and it is like that. And it's probably a lot because of 
the likes of Simokar, Slatan Ibrahimovic, Olivier Giroud, who comes from that uh, mentality from other clubs and has sort of taken it with them into Milan uh, and it kind of spread it in, in this squad. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it's something they showed in a lot of games this season. And um, sort of speaking of, of what you, you were talking about, pushing up the midfielders and, and stuff like that, Milan, I, I, I just thought of it, that Milan can can really afford it uh, because or at least in a lot of games, because they have Fikayo Tomori and Pierre Kalulu back with a lot of recovery pace in case there is a counter-attack or, or anything like that. So they, they can really afford to do this, which they haven't really done in all the games before, what should we say, the last two, three games, maybe? Yes, yeah. Do, do you think there'll be some rotation against Atalanta? Who who are now, by the way, um, after the after Roma lost to Fiorentina, will probably want a Europa League place. Um, honestly, I can't really see a lot of rotation being done. Uh, maybe one or two positions, and in that case, I think it might be um, the right wing. Maybe they go for Junior Messias or. I don't know what Piol is, is thinking there, but maybe the right wing uh, or they push up Kessi as a cam and play another midfielder, probably Ismail Benazar. Uh, that, that's yeah. kind of the two changes I, I could see coming. We didn't see any Ismail Benazar, well, until uh, the changes, we didn't see any Ismail Benazar coming. He was uh, subbed on late. Yes, till, till later in the game, which I think is also sort of Pioli's ace in the hole if he needs to sort of calm things down. Um, yeah. Uh, Benazar literally plays with a cigar in his mouth. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not literally, obviously, because... Um, not he'll get drug tested, but it's not physically possible for play- players to play with cigars in their mouths before game. Because these aren't the old days, basically, where we had George Best and, and Johan Cruyff smoking at halftime, or even Fabian Barthez and Laurent Blanc, by the way, used to smoke at halftime in the toilets. Roy Keane said this in his biography. Just a bit of a, a tidbit of knowledge there for you. But, uh, but yeah, important win for Milan. Two more games yeah. left till immortality for them. Yes. Moving on to the Kraustown rivals, Inter Milan. Bit of a scare for them this weekend. Yeah, I think there's also a lot of um, Neraturi who kind of thought they they had lost the Scudetto there at one point. Um, Empoli was 2-0 up in half an hour from the start, uh, but... Certainly for the first 30 minutes, I think there was a lot of heart and mouth thing uh, from, from Inter Milan. I, um, so it, it ended up being Inter 4, Empoli 2. Um, the Empoli took a 2-0 lead within the first 30 minutes. I tweeted it at the time, but I found it really interesting what was happening. Sorry, more tactics coming your way. Uh, Inter were pressing Empoli, and Empoli was sort of easily evading this press. And then when they got past it, five or six players were isolated up into Empoli's uh, half, which meant it was very easy for Pinamonti, Badrami and Aslani to get in. Um, the, the cross for both times, I know the, the second was a long ball uh, to Aslani, but in the first case as well, it was a cross that 
was right in between Skrinya and Devrai. But this was coming because of a direct result of Correa, Martinez, Chanhoglu, uh, Barella, Brozovic, Persic, all of them pressing, amply playing through the press well, which left the defence sort of isolated, I thought. Yeah, I agree with that analysis. Um Empoli had done their homework and knew how to kind of hurt Inter. Um, I I felt like they gave it their all in the in maybe the first half an hour or even the first half, but you could you could see that it was they they looked tired after after a while and pretty much then you knew that they they wouldn't be able to keep up with Inter if they kind of scored uh, one or two quick goals, which they did. So at that point, it was kind of obvious that Inter was going to win this game. Um, they had another, like a whole other gear to put in than, than Empoli had. And uh, yeah, once again, Lautaro Martinez comes up clutch for, for Inter. And I think he scored two goals. No, 